This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Newsom's Choice, Kamala's Senate Seat Replacement, Season 5, Episode 17. California Governor Gavin Newsom will name a replacement for Senator Kamala Harris when she is inaugurated as Vice President of the United States on January 20, 2021. The California Constitution gives the governor the power to appoint a successor in the case of a vacancy or to call a special election. It's a rare occurrence in California for a governor to be able to appoint a U.S. senator. It's only happened twice in the last 56 years, namely in 1964 and in 1990. We're going to look at those two cases, which are kind of instructive as regards what a governor should not do in terms of an appointment. In 1964, Governor Pat Brown appointed JFK's former press secretary, Pierre Salinger, to fill out the remaining term of Senator Bill Noland, who died suddenly by suicide. And in 1990, Governor Pete Wilson appointed John Simon to fill out Wilson's own Senate term when Wilson was elected governor of California in 1990. But in both cases, Salinger and Simon went on to be defeated and heavily defeated. The former, Pierre Salinger, was defeated by Hollywood actor George Murphy, and the latter was defeated by Dianne Feinstein, who is still the incumbent today at 87 years old and was reelected for a six-year term in 2018. We trust that Governor Newsom's appointee will be more fortunate in getting reelected and serving out that term than his predecessors to appointees. But who could forget the sordid tale of Barack Obama's Senate seat, which former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich appeared to auction off to the highest bidder? Blagojevich was subsequently prosecuted, convicted, and jailed for corruption. Within the past year, he was pardoned by President Trump. Thus, gubernatorial appointments to the U.S. Senate have a mixed history at best. Little wonder that Governor Newsom is in no hurry to announce his selection to replace Senator Kamala Harris, and he doesn't have to do it until she steps down, which will be in January. Further, the California Democratic Party is even more riven with identity politics and factional rivalries than the National Democratic Party. In a sense, Newsom will be damned if he does 
or damned if he doesn't, in his choice to replace Kamala Harris. Of course, he could always name himself to the empty Senate seat, and that has happened in other states. And by doing so, he'd anger the myriad factions that make up the California Democratic Party. But that's highly unlikely to happen. So his political calculus in making a selection to fill the Senate seat is to do the least amount of political damage to his own future prospects for re-election as governor in 2022, and even for a possible White House run in 2024. Joe Biden, of course, has said he would be a one-term president. So the presidency may be, the Democratic nomination may be open in 2024. Since identity politics looms so large in Newsom's choice, let's take a moment to review California's demographics, and it's very instructive. With a population of 40 million people and a very strong North-South political rivalry, the state continues to transform itself into one of the most diverse in the United States. Here is the breakdown by race and by political affiliation. As regards identity, according to the Public Policy Institute of California, no single race or ethnic group constitutes a majority of California's population as of 2020. The largest single group in the state are Latinos at 39%, 37% are white, 15% are Asian American, 6% are African American, 3% are multicultural, and less than 1% are American Indian or Pacific Islander. With the Latino bloc, the largest concentration, of course, are Mexican-American. And of course, we have to remember that Alta California was a Spanish and then a Mexican colony until California joined the United States in 1849 after the Mexican-American War. The state's Spanish colonial and Mexican roots are deep, they're broad, as well as very historic, and we're very proud of them, actually. And it is of note that in the 170 years of California's statehood since 1850, no person of Latino heritage or Latino surname has served in its highest office as governor or U.S. senator. Senator Kamala Harris, of course, is both of Asian and African-American heritage. California's political registration and ideological factions are as follows. 83% or 8 in 10 eligible adults were registered to vote as of July 2020. That's almost a record. I believe it's a record. Registration was up 10% over July 2016 when it stood at 73% of eligible adults. So by this past July, it stood at 83%, and that was due to the keen interest in the 2020 presidential election.
Of the 20.9 million registered voters in California, 46.3% are Democrat, 24% are Republican, and the former increased by 1% over the last four years, and the latter decreased by 3%. So Republican registration was actually down by 3%. But at the same time, independents or no party preference stand at 24%. So 24% of the voters in California consider themselves to be independent and do not want to affiliate with any party. Ideological and partisan divides are marked in California. 75% of Democrats said that they would rather pay higher taxes for more government services, while 80% of Republicans prefer to pay lower taxes with fewer government services. Independents, however, are evenly divided on the issue of taxes and government services. 77% of Republicans claim to be conservative, whereas 61% of Democrats describe themselves as liberals. Likely voters, and that's an important definition, likely voters, 55%, are disproportionately white. In other words, more of the white population consistently goes out and vote, a higher proportion goes out and vote than any other of the ethnic groups. Latinos are only 21% of likely voters, though 39% of the population. And that's much lower. And of course, that's a, a much lower voting participation for Latinos. Blacks and Asian voter participants' participation is roughly equal to their 6% and 15% share of population, respectively. Women are more likely to be Democrats, 59% of them, than men are. Only 41% of men are Democrats. 26% of the state's population is in Los Angeles, 21% in the San Francisco Bay Area, 23% in the Central Valley, and 23% in Orange and San Diego counties in the extreme south of the state. So you can see that the Democrat focus on identity politics and factional politics gives Governor Newsom a tightrope to walk in balancing his Senate choice by ethnicity, political ideology, and regional allegiance. As I said at the outset, some major groups are bound to be very disappointed with his choice, given the patchwork quilt of the state's rich demographics and varied political ideology. So who is on Newsom's shortlist, and who will tick enough of the critical identity politics boxes, ideological boxes, regional boxes, so that his choice does not prove to be his undoing and hurt his 2022 re-election chances. The foregoing demographic statistics that I've just cited and the voter information will play a determinative role in the governor's political calculus and decision.
by most accounts, Newsom wants to make a historic choice. And as I said, the last Democratic governor who wielded such power was Pat Brown, who was the father of former Governor Jerry Brown. And that was in 1964. But Pat Brown's choice of Pierre Salinger, who was JFK's press secretary, was a disastrous choice. And Salinger went down to ignominious defeat in November 1964, in a year when the rest of the country was turning blue. It was a huge year for Democrats. Lyndon Johnson won in a landslide. And Barry Goldwater was thoroughly defeated. However, the Republican nominee for Senate in California defeated Pierre Salinger. So beware Governor Newsom. So when I say that Newsom wants his choice to be historic, I mean he wants it to be historic in a very positive sense, in a glass ceiling breaking way, and not historic in the way that Pat Brown's choice was historic in a negative way in 1964. The five candidates with the inside track are three Latino men and two black women. Alex Padilla is the Secretary of State. Javier Becerra is the Attorney General. Robert Garcia is Mayor of Long Beach. Barbara Lee and Karen Bass are both members of Congress. Javier Becerra is 62. He served in Congress for many years before replacing Kamala Harris as Attorney General in 2017 when she joined the Senate. Becerra has sued the Trump administration 105 times in the last three years, and he's won 60 of those suits. He's the son of Mexican immigrants. He was also on Biden's shortlist for U.S. Attorney General, so Becerra may not be actually available to be appointed to the U.S. Senate. Alex Padilla, 47, is a career politician. He's an engineering graduate of MIT, and he worked his way up through the ranks, first as a Los Angeles city councilman, then a state senator, and then he ran statewide for secretary of state twice. He's a political moderate, and he's close to Newsom personally, politically, and ideologically. Robert Garcia is 42 and was born in Peru, came to this country with his parents when he was five years old. He holds a doctorate in education from California State University, Long Beach, and he is also the mayor of Long Beach, California. He's very active in the environmental and climate movements. He's also an active leader in the LGBTQ community. Karen Bass, 67, is chair of the Congressional Black Caucus back in Washington, and she's a career politician with experience at the local and state level prior to going to Washington. Like the other three male contenders, she's from the Los Angeles area. Southern California, and Los Angeles in particular, are eager to see a Southern California selected as senator. 
Northern California has dominated statewide politics for decades. It's been over 35 years since Pete Wilson, who was the last Southern Californian to be elected on a statewide basis, either as governor or senator. Karen Bass was also vetted by Biden's campaign for vice president. But of course, Kamala Harris won that race. And coming in at number five is Barbara Lee, who is 74 and vice chair as well as founder of the LGBT caucus in Congress. She consistently votes to the left, and I might say the extreme left, and she was and still is a very vocal Bernie supporter. Neither she nor Karen Bass endorsed Newsom for governor when he ran in 2018, so obviously that's not going to help their chances. She's the only member of Congress to actually have voted against the Iraq war after the 9-11 attacks. She represents Oakland and the U.S. Congress. So without question, Alex Padilla, the 47-year-old Secretary of State, has emerged as the front runner in Governor Newsom's Senate seat replacement stakes. In addition to endorsing Newsom for governor in 2018 over Antonio Villaraigosa, and Villaraigosa was the former mayor of LA and a fellow Mexican-American like Padilla, he's introduced Newsom to influential Los Angeles labor leaders and Latino leaders. Also, Padilla has successfully run statewide campaigns twice for Secretary of State, and he's raised the funds to wage a strong statewide campaign. In California, that's very important. You've got to reach 40 million people, and the state stretches from the Mexican border to the Oregon border, from the Pacific Ocean in the west to the, or to the Nevada desert in the east. And that's a key consideration for the appointment as it's only a two-year appointment, and then it's up for election in November of 2022. So Newsom wants someone who can hit the ground running from day one in terms of statewide name recognition, as well as ability to campaign, strong fundraising credentials, and to have an existing statewide infrastructure which would enable a successful statewide campaign. Padilla and Becerra have those qualifications, but Garcia, Bass, and Lee lack the statewide resume. Both Padilla and Becerra hold existing statewide office, gives them the ability, gives Newsom the ability to appoint their successors. And that vacancy at the state level, be it Secretary of State, if he appoints Padilla to the Senate, or Attorney General, if he appoints Becerra to the Senate, the vacancy in either the Secretary of State job or the Attorney General job would give Newsom a valuable position to fill, because as governor, he would fill that empty position. And that could prove to be a consolation prize for one of the runners-up. In a sign 
that Representatives Bass and Lee may not have the inside track, apart from the fact that they didn't endorse Newsom in 2018. Governor Newsom named a new African-American Supreme Court justice, who also happens to be gay, just several weeks ago. So Newsom can point to his appointment of an African-American jurist, uh, Justice Jones, to the Supreme Court, the California Supreme Court. The African-American community, led by former San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown, has been very, very vocal about an African-American woman replacing Kamala Harris, who is herself African-American, as well as Asian-American. The 86-year-old Brown, who, though retired, is still very much a high-profile Democrat Party power broker in California. In a recent op-ed in the San Francisco Chronicle, he argued that an African-American woman should replace Harris because, number one, Harris is black. Number two, the African-American vote was key to Joe Biden's victory in the Democrat primary in South Carolina. And number three, with Harris's exit from the Senate, there will only be two African-Americans left, both of whom are men, and one of whom is a Republican. In addition to Representatives Bass and Lee, he included long shots like Maxine Waters, a couple of state representatives in the state Senate and state assembly, and even San Francisco Mayor London Breed. Willie said he's been lobbied by the African-American community in California, as well as across the country, to push for this appointment to the U.S. Senate. He concluded his opinion piece by saying that Newsom should simply appoint himself if he doesn't appoint an African-American woman. His advocacy, in my opinion, is more an exercise in identity politics so that he can tick a couple of boxes in terms of uh, identity politics advocacy and with a highly unlikely result coming from that opinion. But whoever Governor Newsom appoints to fill Kamala Harris's seat, he or she will be skyrocketed to national prominence as one of two senators representing 40 million Californians with its 52 electoral votes. California represents a presidential kingmaker vote hall, which is actually 20%, the 52 electoral votes are 20% of the 270 electoral votes necessary to win the presidency. Now, no senator or no governor can guarantee deliver those electoral votes, but they have a mighty big say in who is likely to win a presidential contest in California. So the governor's choice will be consequential for both the state of California as well as the nation. My sources for today's podcast include the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the Public Policy Institute of California. This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, 
Signing off from America's favorite city, San Francisco.